As I'm Yosef Frimpong, and you're watching The Black Athenians. I come to you every Friday to talk about local news, and by local news with a global uh, awareness, because I think you should watch this show if you are in any town that has black people who are broke, surrounded by white people who have significantly more money. Right? So the question, the topic of today is first blacks. Beware of first black. And myself, having been the first black, a lot of things know of what I speak. Beware of first black power holders, right? They didn't get that way by being good to black people. Often. Sometimes they did, but that means that's a revolutionary black leader. And that's going to be a little bit different. And I'm going to, I'm going to clarify the difference uh, in the next section after the opening. All right, I'm going to hit the beat. To the beat, Never change the ways for the world or the government. If it was the president, then I would state facts. You leave it up to me, I paint the White House black and it can feature in your front. For the world or the government If it was the president Then I would state facts You leave it up to me I paint the White House Black and it can feature in your front So beware of first black power holders And that's, you know, people going to say Army, Army, how could you say that? You know, we should, we should celebrate black excellence Listen Having been a first black a lot of things in my life i've learned and seen other and been surrounded by first black people and everyone's like well you know you're the first black this and you're the first black this and you might be the first black x and you know what that does it suggests that the only reason you got there was because you made a certain faction of liberal whites comfortable <laughs> right so the first black to get someplace, got someplace, not by, unless they tore it down, if they didn't get there by tearing it down, they got there by getting the, the liberal white people who control the institution to, um, to like them in some way or to see them as non-threatening, right? So unless, you think, unless you're surrounded by liberal white people who actually care more about black self-determination than they do about ke uh, keeping all of their liberal white friends, then uh, you don't want, then any first black person they pick has been calibrated to sustain the black, uh, the, the white gatekeepers have calibrated that first black person in a way that sustains the gatekeepers, white friends. There are, there are no, when white gatekeepers pick a first black person, they didn't pick them to tear the place down. They didn't pick Othello, right? They, they, they picked Obama. The first, the first black Democratic president was a Reagan Republican. And that, I'll, just, I'll just tell you enough right there. So you have to understand that being the first black, it's not really blazing a trail. It's you're just diversifying the power structure. You're giving it a different hue or an accent. The first black person to ever, you know, go into the master's house was, was like a house Negro. Like, I, I don't, I don't, um, 
Yeah, so if you haven't exactly, if you don't understand and dismantle the power, the power structure, just being the first black member of it doesn't say anything about progress or community uplift. Right? It just says that you were the first black person that these white people who actually run the institution um, thought was non-threatening yet compelling enough to anoint as a form of virtue signal, signaling. So you're going to have a black Republican um, in Obama, and then you're going to have uh, Kamala Harris maybe being the first black woman vice presidential candidate who spent her entire life pretty much putting black men in jail. So I don't really... Um, so be very careful. And you should also be very careful about young prodigious people, like whether they're pastors or... Um, Pastors or politicians like Macron or Trudeau, whatever. It's just because they're young and they're in power because they sucked up and kind of attained all of the awful views of older people who are in power, but did so in a prodigious way. They just did so faster than their compatriots. Right? This is the Pete Buttigieg. So passing the torch to a new generation don't like if that's all they have to bring to the table be very suspicious because they became um you know a candidate by being the being quicker on the uptake in imbibing bogus ideology like they became company people faster than the surrounding people became company people so that's why uh uh the wonder kids right that's why they've been picked and tapped to be the young face of, of old oppression or the black face of old oppression. And yes, this is kind of motivated by the cat um, in, in uh, the first black attorney general, and it might be the first black statewide holder in Tennessee in a while, um, a statewide office holder, who happens to be Mitch McConnell's of uh, Kentucky, um, who happens to be Mitch McConnell's son and uh, uh, nephew-in-law. And, yeah, Cameron, Cameron, right? Daniel Cameron. Uh, uh, yeah, he's a Republican star because he, uh, the people like him. He's a young black guy who is comfortable with, uh, with uh, uh, old white talking points. And whether you're a Democrat or whether you're a Republican, that's going to be the measure that you are graded against when you are the first, in order to become the first black like established office holder. So I'm very suspicious, and you should be too, of first black anythings. And I say this, like I said, as an experienced guy who has been the first black a lot of things, do not trust us. <laughs> because you don't become the first black a lot of things by uh, making a name for yourself by standing up for injustice. I mean, Thurgood Marshall is, a, is an anomaly in a way, but, and there are a few anomalies, but for the most part, as a rule, and as a pretty good rule, yeah, as a, as a pretty good rule, like first black 
office holders were picked because they will calcify the current power structure and especially for his gay ones too. Yeah. Well, they will calcify the, the current power structure, not because they're going to bring it down in a way that secures justice for like entire communities of oppressed people. So the first black person in the office got that way by stepping on probably other black people and showing white people that they are willing to step on other black people. I suspect first women, whatever, are similarly blessed, although it's going to be a little bit different with women because women and men, white men and white women really aren't on different teams. So it's not, it's not <laughs> the, the first um, white woman officer of, holder of a big place is going to uh, make her bones, not by showing that she's willing to step on other women, but by showing that she's willing to step on black people and other oppressed communities, just as good as any other white guy. So that's, that's going to be a little bit different, but, um, yeah, so it's very important to, to, to beware of first black office holders, because you have to understand that the system is not built for, to reward people who are going to take it down. It's built um, to sustain itself. And one of the mechanisms for sustaining itself, one of the um, antibodies against justice is going to be by promoting black faces who are very comfortable um, promoting policies that will degrade black communities. Right? So hope that's very clear. Uh, what's more important is actually the first ideological shifts. Like I think like Sanders would have been much more revolutionary than Obama uh, because he, was, he would have been the first like outed leftist like a no-nonsense socialist uh, who, uh, for the presidential nomination of a major party. Like, that would have been much more monumental. Um, that would have actually, like, secured justice in a different way. Right. And be very suspicious. I mean, I... I mean, look, I have a lot of bad things to say about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> I, I... It's not that I wish ill of the dead... But the only time you can actually talk and people like listen is when they die. So, I mean, I, I, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a huge elitist asshole and people think it's an, an uh, uh, and she was pretty much spent her life fighting for the right to, for women to be uh, jokes as big a jokes as, as guys and phoned it in on like, when I say phoned it in on criminal justice, I'm saying that she was actually regressive on criminal justice. Hold on, my daughter's got a question. What's up? Just talking to the people. <laughs> What's up? I love you too. All right, can I finish my show? And then we'll uh, read the book. All right. All right, so, um, I'm not a fan of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I think... The, the, uh, there are a few things going on, right? The Supreme Court will never actually secure justice for black people. It's not, that's just not the way it's organized. It's organized to go with whatever the, the majority power in the nation um, wants and kind of anticipate it a little bit so it can show itself to be relevant, but not really actually uh, push it, right? Because they don't have power over the budget, so they can't really enforce anything in either decrees. That's why Brown versus Board of Education didn't desegregate any community that didn't already want to be desegregated. <laughs> like they passed, they passed Brown and Georgia was like, yeah, no. All right. So, um, uh, 
So if you're waiting for justice, anybody who is waiting for the Supreme Court to secure them justice has already lost and really isn't that serious about justice. You get, you get justice in the streets or in the legislature. Um, and if you don't have the votes in the legislature or the power in the legislature, the, the Supreme Court's not going not gonna, to um, back you up. I mean, they, I mean they're not going to back you up. They're not going to actually secure you justice. That's just not the way the courts have been designed. And the idea that, um, what's up? Right. So the idea that one justice on a Supreme Court is going to kind of secure justice, or even the entire Supreme Court, or you could pack the Supreme Court. No, that's all just a form of abdicating responsibility from the legislative body and to some extent the executive body for actually governing. So let me, here's a secret. Gather around, people. I'm going to tell you a little bit of secret about United States governments. Your political leaders don't want to govern. A lot of your Democrats wouldn't mind if Trump wins, as long as he wins in a way that allows them to cut internet fundraising videos. It's actually easier if Trump wins for them, because that way they don't have to be on the hook for actually governing. They can just raise money trying to resist and go to the, their fancy... Um, uh, uh, banquets, and every now and then give lip services to policies that if they were actually in power, they would kill. Right? I mean, Kamala Harris pretty much admitted that she says whatever she wants, she needs to get over in that moment. And it's not reflective of what she is or what she actually believes. Like, nothing is. So, um, I remember there, this is about a debate in which she said, Oh, it was a debate. I did it to win the debate. Like, I, like everything I say is kind of determined by my political moment. So I, I don't actually believe in anything. So you can look at these people's votes. You can look for, the, or what, for what they um, championed. But that's going to, that's, that's not... That doesn't tell you what they're going to do once the money people get a crack at them, right? Because I had a friend who was uh, with Obama the night of the election, and apparently, like, right after he gave that, that, that speech in Millennium Park, like, in Chicago, the auto execs just kind of descended upon him. <laughs> just like, and, 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 and that was that, right? So whatever hope and change or whatever he thought, like it, it wouldn't sustain, it's not principled enough to sustain any sort of um, backlash or pressure from the auto execs or, you know, people who, who, who want to use the government for their own private interests. That's another reason why, you know, like I said, first black people, you have to watch out because these are going to be the folks who have been uh, shown themselves to be the kind of people who will sacrifice whatever is uh, their principled view for the sake of attaining the next office. Right? So Democrats don't want to uh, govern. Republicans, they kind of don't want to govern, but at least they have an institutional framework where they have a, a little bit clearer of an idea of what kind of cultural institutions they want. Um, schools, churches, that kind of stuff. And that's going to sustain their their electoral power even if demographically it'll be less than 50 percent but it'll sustain their electoral power because they actually care about the variegated institutions that make up american civil society in a way that democrats don't they just kind of let 
the market or the courts deal with it. That's 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 one of the reasons why you have Democrats so care, so concerned about the courts is they want the markets and the courts to to solve all their problems, as opposed to governing. They don't, and this is also a reason why you know that they want to get out of public education because when you're talking about public education, they're talking about um, trying to actually decide the content of the curriculum. Democrats don't want to be on the hook for actually deciding the content of the public education uh, curriculum. That's too much responsibility. That could go wrong in too many ways. They want to let the market or they want to let and, and they want to let the market so the courts decide. Um, so Democrats don't want to govern. They don't want to actually create an electorate. They want to be in a position where they could be morally right and fundraise off that moral rectitude. Or appear to be morally right and fundraise off that moral rectitude. And that is a problem for people who actually want justice realized through policy, like myself. Okay, oh, one last thing. Um, Trump is, if the election's close, which it will be, Trump's going to try to steal it, which... I, you know, I'm not really too, you know, I, I didn't JFK steal the election in, in 1960. Like every, from time to time, people steal elections and that's going to happen. That's not going to be the worst thing for our democracy because our democracy is not really a democracy insofar as we already have an electoral college that um, was made to privilege a certain class of people, none of whom were us. And I mean, we already have uh yeah we already have systems in place that will distort the um like our play at representative democracy but so we have to ask ourselves if we care about self-government or do we care about um uh getting nice things because we can get nice things by in an authoritarian regime i mean not everybody can get nice things in an authoritarian regime but some people can get nice things in an authoritarian regime, but not everyone can get nice things in a democracy. All right, so if we cared about democracy, like there wouldn't be an open throwing of the primary to Biden. There wouldn't have been uh, Elizabeth Warren just kind of deciding that, okay, she's okay with, with super PACs a month before, I mean, a, a day before the Nevada primary and taking a $14 million donation through a super PAC for her own campaign. $14 million from one person. That's someone who's going to be a champion for democracy? No. She was for it when it works for her, and then she was against it when it didn't work for her. And, you know, everyone kind of dropped out and supported Biden before Super Tuesday because Obama told him to, not because it was like the will of the people, but because Obama told him to, and it was all good for their individual grift. So if we actually cared about democracy, we would change a lot of the structures and norms that govern our political life. Right? Take Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi got her job in 87 in San Francisco because she was literally the richest lady in the room. Like she was a fundraiser for the Democratic Party. So she like made money. I don't even, I don't know if she's ever actually like, had a job. Some people say, well, she was a mother of five. Yeah, she was a, one of those millionaire mothers of fives. So, like, there's a lot of help. <laughs> um, so, I don't, you know, I, but I, I don't think, I mean, you look at her bio, it's not obvious that she ever actually, like, had a job or applied for a job, which would, wouldn't be that big of a deal if we didn't have huge labor problems in the United States. Um, and we needed someone who acts, and, and, or if she had really good politics. For example, I don't, like Kennedy, someone asked Kennedy, apparently, if he had ever had a job 
Uh, he was at like a, 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 a stop in Pittsburgh and some working guy asked him, well, Kennedy, you ever actually worked for a living? And he said, well, I can't say that I have. And, you know, the guy still working said, well, you're not missing much. That's fair. Having had a lot of jobs, you know, I, I, I see why you're not missing much. But I also have good labor politics because I understand that things need to be produced and they're not produced by magic. Right. So Nancy Pelosi and her, Demo her wing of the Democratic Party is OK with things being produced by magic or itty bitty little hands, non-unionized, off in another country. Um, I uh, so Pelosi got her seat by being the richest. And when I say richest, I mean rich, richest lady in the room. And she was connected. Uh, her brother-in-law was a county supervisor in San Francisco. And her father was the mayor of Baltimore and a congressman out in Maryland. And her brother was the mayor of Baltimore. This is all like during uh, Pelosi's teens and 20s. Um, the Zero's teens and 20s. So, you know, she got, she came out of uh, college, married her high school sweetheart who happened to be a multimillionaire, multi-multi-millionaire, moved out to San Francisco where her brother ran, where the husband's brother ran things, and like just kind of was a society wife on an upscale until that, and kind of parlayed that into a congressional seat, which would be fine if, okay, it, would be, it's, it might be fine if since 87 she agreed to debate a challenger, but since 1987, I don't, even, I don't know if she debated in 87. I do know that since 1987, she has denied challengers debates. Like she has not had to ever debate a challenger. And that's a problem for democracy because, you know, citizens need the, um, the information about candidates. They need to see contrast to candidates to make an informed decision. It's not just about the vote. You need to have content on what you're going to vote for. And you can't do that if... If Pelosi's out there saying that debates don't matter, right? So she's never actually taken a hostile debate. She's never actually debated. I know because uh, I interviewed uh, Shahid, Shahid uh, Buttar, who's running against her right now. And he's like challenged her to like a zillion debates. And she just denied, like she just doesn't have to do it. She's had this seat for 30 years, has never had to debate a challenger. If you actually care about democracy, that's a bigger deal for democracy than voter suppression is that I'll say it. I'll say it. Cause like either you're going to be four term limits or you're going to be for debates. You can't be anti-term limits and anti-debates because if you're anti-term limits, you're saying, well, you know, the people should choose. Well, that means you're pro debate. So the people have content out of which to choose. But if you're pro anti-term limits and anti-debates, you're just for incumbency advantage, disproportionate incumbency advantage. And that's gross. So Trump stealing the election is, um, I don't think it's the biggest affront to our democracy. I don't think it's the biggest threat to our democracy. I think we just don't have a culture that understands the conditions of democracy because it's like a fragile flower, you know? Everything has to be just right. And, and we don't really care about everything being just right. What we have is a, like the plastic, but we... <laughs> What we have is a, a a fake Christmas tree. I'm I'm pro fake Christmas trees in general. But like what we have is a fake Christmas tree, and then now people complain that the fake Christmas tree is getting raggedy, as if it were a real Christmas tree to begin with. 
It, it was a fake Christmas tree. We had a fake democracy and our fake democracy is falling apart, but it was always a fake democracy. And especially black people, it was never a democracy that secured you rights. So that's all I have to say about that. Hey, look, I give a quality of knowledge that you don't get every place. And if you support me doing what I'm doing, and depending on who you talk to, I, I make myself downright unemployable by continuing to do it. I think you should go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month. And also, you should tell your friends because this only works if it grows, 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 grows. Thank you for your time. And I, I'm, I think I'm going to put out a week, uh, um, a video this weekend about faith and uh, its political uses and abuses. But I hope you've enjoyed the show. Peace. If you appreciate the work I do every week and you think that I should continue to do it because I'm giving you the quality of political knowledge and insight that will help you not squander your life and kind of rescue meaning from it, then go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month, or make one enormous donations. I like the monthlies because it allows me to budget more and that'll help me, you know, with a marketing budget or getting better equipment that works all the time because a lot of, in a lot of ways, freedom means having equipment that works every time you turn it on. <laughs> and I want to be a free Negro. So um, if you like what I do, go to funkyacademic.com and contribute. Thanks often comes in the form of cash and the site takes credit cards.